enjoying the outdoors in an endurance-based way. You just happen to be on skis instead. Hey, I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Okay, Ashley, thank you so much for being here on the pod. I'm so excited to like sit down and talk about Nordic skiing. Before we get into it, what have you been up to this season? Where is home? Fill us in. Um, home right now is Boulder, Colorado. I've lived here for like two-ish years. That might be a lie, but around that vibe. I got a gravel bike this season. It was my first time ever getting a bike other than like getting to the grocery store or class. And the bike has really hit home. Like I've been really into biking lately. It's been so fun to find out. Even like learning how to fix the bike and how to sew stuff for the bike. A very bike centric season for sure. That's so cool. I also got a gravel bike last season, like at the very end. And I didn't really have enough time to like toy around with it. And I love it so much. Like gravel, for whatever reason, it's really hard to bike on gravel, at least like out in the Midwest. But the bikes are really fun to like mess around with. I don't even know why I prefer the gravel roads. But like for some reason, I love gravel biking. Yeah. And you just took a really cool, was it your first bikepacking trip over the weekend or whatever? That looked like so sick. I was like, whoa, we're doing the thing. It was randomly (laughs) my second the first one we really pieced together and it was short enough that we could go back to the car if we needed to if shit hit the fan and it almost did because our water filter didn't work but our neighbors next to us had one so we used theirs but we almost had to like employ the plan (laughs) then we went for another one and it was okay on a tangent here but it said it was like a family bike packing trip and like beautiful fall colors. Like, oh my God, let's do it. This will be easy. It was first of all, so hard. Second of all, I should have been on a mountain bike for sure. It was horrible. I got a headache. My hands were numb from vibrating so much. It sucked. I was like at the end rage pedaling. Like I was going so fast. I was like, I hate being on this bike. Okay. I have felt that's actually insane that you call it rage pedaling because we need to coin it. I have done that exact thing where your hands are so numb. You can't, you like have to look at yourself on the handlebars to make sure you're in the right spot. And then you're just like, literally, I want to get off this bike instantly, but I can't, I'm not there and I have to get home. Yes. But then we ended up, my friend thankfully hurt her quad, so couldn't do it with us, but didn't want to miss out. So she drove to our camp spot. And then was going to like camp with us and everything. But it turns out there's absolutely no water anywhere on this route. And we were in like, it's like a wet season. Absolutely no water to be had. We're like, we would have actually died if she hadn't hurt her quad and drove up to meet us. So it worked out really well. But um, it, it was fun. But I'm happy we had the backups we did. <laughs> Yeah, it all happens for a reason. I really feel that. And we just did an episode on like gravel and bikepacking, kind of like getting into all that stuff. And one of the biggest things we talked about was how bikepacking.com like gaslights the shit out of people. And they'll call it like a three out of 10. And it was like a 10 out of 10. And in this photo, the photo for this route, they have like one of like the little like bad, like the thing you put the kids in. (laughs) While I was on it, I was like... This give it fly out. Like there's like no way. I know. I know you did not bring that thing with you. The ultimate gaslight is bringing the burly with no kid in it just for the pics. <laughs> this is hilarious. One more tangent and then we'll actually get to what we're talking about today. <laughs> on our bikepacking trip, I talked about this on the last episode. We uh, my friend bought a burly 
for 20 bucks off Facebook Marketplace because he didn't want to like sew his bags yet or like buy all the gear and stuff. So he just bought a burly and brought it with. And we were like, literally, if a child had been in this, they would have died. Like, there's no way that this thing is going to hold on. And it was fine. We had no tire issues or anything, but we were just laughing the entire time. We were like, little Jimmy back there is definitely not okay. <laughs> going for a ride, like mid-concussion. Yeah. Like one time it was just turned completely upside down, like completely. <laughs> we were like, little Jimmy's not doing well. <laughs> so awesome. Like, I honestly haven't even like fell on my gravel bike yet. And then this time I fell like three times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's so true, too. Like I took a huge spill. So my friend Maddie, she was like, she did our skiing episode a while ago, but she was turning around and tipped over and then I'm like oh no Maddie let me come and help you and then I turned around like tried to turn around I also tipped over so there's just two people in the trail just being like oh no I'm down and your bike's so heavy you can't get it up and it's just like then the burly was coming around the corner it was just like literally dumb dumb and dumbest like that was our bike packing energy that is awesome but yeah I got a bike and biking's been fun Okay, well, I'm glad that you've gotten into bikepacking. That's so rad. Um, what other activities outside of biking have really, like, interested you over the years? So tough. I feel like I'm similar to you in that, like, I find, like, I see an activity. I'm like, hmm, this one seemed good. And then I gravitate. And then I, like, I'm so into it for, like, about two months. And then I'm over it. So mm-hmm. dabbled in a lot. I feel like consistently climbing has been, like, a huge thing for me. But at this point... I definitely like it, but I don't love it to the point I feel like I should, given the amount that I've based my identity on it. <laughs> but climbing's still awesome. Downhill skiing's awesome. Recently got into backcountry skiing. Running randomly has always been there, but always as like a background to train. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel the thing about climbing. That's like such a vibe. I feel like I put so much time, effort, money, blood, sweat, and tears into it and I just still like don't love love it like I don't know how to describe I'm not like pulled to it anymore if anything it kind of gives me the ick and I don't know why (laughs) I have seasons where I do love love it and then it'll like kind of go away and I'm like oh my god who am I and then I try to force it and then I actually hate it so I've just learned to allow like if you're in a season where you don't love it just don't even force it like pretend like it doesn't exist and then the stoke will come back but it's when I force it that it's like my ego taps in and it's all bad and icky. Especially when I lived in the car to climb, I was like, you bitch, you like quit your entire job and you're living in a car for a thing you don't even know if you like. And like, I don't identify as being good at this. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about that though. So we are going to talk about Nordic skiing today because I think this is a really rad sport that like not that many people have a ton of depth of knowledge. You have a really like, cool background with it but I do really want to talk about not resonating with something that you thought you were going to like and then you kind of feel this obligation from other people maybe I don't know or the expectation you put on yourself that like I I thought my identity was kind of this and now I'm not vibing with it and I look dumb like what's your been your experience like figuring that out because I'm kind of going through something similar right now I think I'm not saying this is good or right but I totally embrace looking dumb like I show up to the crag and I'm like don't worry, everyone, I suck at this. (laughs) And then I, like, rope up and see how it goes. But I just, whoever I talk to, set the expectations so low that anything I do do comes as a surprise. But I think that is, like, 
self-sabotaging and not good. So you're not asking the right girl. In a perfect world, I put the ego to the side and just do whatever seems fun. I will say when I climb with girls, I have way more fun. And then it's actually about like mainly the connection and secondary climbing when I'm with like my girls. That feels so good, but you can't do that all the time. Oh, I love that. Do you think that's just climbing or do you feel that way with like other activities with just women too? I feel like everything is better if you're with only girls. Like something changes. I don't even know what it is. And I have a boyfriend who's my main partner in most of my sports. <laughs> I still am like, girl's Same. trip. <laughs> Sorry, babe, you're not coming away. <laughs> no, not no, I totally feel that. I do feel like there's the connection aspect is really big. And I think that's what brings us back to a sport over and over again, whether you're like connecting with yourself or connecting with nature or connecting to a, like a greater community, I think, or connecting with like the people that you're doing it with that day. I think yeah. that's like the coolest thing and so powerful. Like you don't get that experience as an adult all that often. Totally. Like I went on a bouldering trip recently where I really think I got on about 10 boulder problems while the people around me were on like 30 but like the solar eclipse came out and we like enjoying the eclipse and I was like, let's play Twilight where I pretend I'm Edward and you're Bella and you're Jacob and you're Victoria. That's <laughs> so we were just like totally goofing off. And that's the part I remember more than like any bouldering that was done. And it was still an awesome bouldering trip, even though I barely touched any rock. <laughs> I love this. And we were talking off air a little bit before, but we were talking about how sometimes you have to push people into the silly Goofyville. And yeah. I will say like not every experience is silly goofy. Sometimes it's type two fun. Sometimes it's really stressful. Sometimes whatever. But like we're in a phase where we're still figuring our lives out, like career and partners and all this stuff that is stressful enough. Like every day is stressful. Totally. So the relief of like and the release of having silly goofy time outside where you're just playing, like whether you do your your like 30 mile loop that day or you're like v4 that you wanted to do or ski the line that you want to do like it is so fun just to goof off with your friends totally and just like play and giggle and do stupid stuff and like something if you feel like it is like important and fun <laughs> yeah totally oh my god i really love that we got into this so early because i'm so passionate about that and i love finding people that will match your energy like you got to be safe and you got to cross your T's and dot your I's and do all that stuff. But like once you get that stuff kind of unlocked, it's really fun just to be like silly goofy and Definitely, yeah. have an excuse to play as an adult. It is. Sometimes you have to force it. I found that especially in Colorado where like people are like really like into the thing or competitive about the thing that I it's, it's pretty vulnerable to be like the, the head goofball sometimes. <laughs> but if you just take the vulnerability and bite that bullet and be head goofball, it's like a way better day oh my gosh sorry that's like literally so iconic it is very it's very vulnerable to be head goofball that is so well said and so true too you know what I mean it's really hard to be the one who's like I'm gonna look stupid in front of all these hardos and then actually not be the like it doesn't matter how you come across, but just, I don't know. That's awesome. I really love that. <laughs> I want to get into Nordic skiing because I do feel like it's the sport that a lot of people are like, yeah, I've heard of it. My parents have a pair in their garage, but I don't really know anything about it or I don't really know like why people like to do it. And I do think there's all these classic winter sports like downhill skiing, backcountry skiing, you know, all the big things that we see like movies about and get really stoked about. But I do think Nordic skiing is kind of this cool little 
bubble of people that are fun and interesting. And I don't know, I'm rambling about Nordic skiing because that's what I love about it. But I want to hear how did you like, what is your experience about getting into Nordic skiing? Yeah. Well, first off, I grew up in Minnesota and Minnesota is like the mini Scandinavia within the U.S. for Nordic skiing, like super strong in that culture there. Like my high school and all the high schools around me had really competitive teams. Every bike shop turns into a ski shop in the winter, blah, blah, blah. Like every golf course like turns into Nordic skiing tracks. So super easy to get into it there. And it's always kind of been around in my life. My dad has been doing it since I can remember. My parents actually met on a blind date cross-country skiing. So it's it's deep in my blood, but... <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I started it, I like went a few times as a kid just for fun at said golf courses. And then my high school had a team and my sister was on it. And so I was like, I want to be just like my big sister. I'll join too. And randomly, you could be on the high school team if you're in middle school because the middle school didn't have a team. So I started in seventh grade on the high school team. And then every winter after that for six years, I was skiing between like six to eight times a week. So I got a big course really fast. (laughs) Wow. That's insane. As like an adult, what does Nordic skiing look like for you now? Like how often do you do it? Because you're so busy doing other stuff. What does that look like now for you? It's really tough in Boulder actually, because as soon as it snows, like the next two days, it'll melt. So there's not great Nordic skiing around here, but me and my boyfriend who I roped into doing this, we try to go for like two to three times a week. Like normally it's one time during the weekdays and then one or twice over the weekend. Yeah, that's kind of same vibes with us. Is It's like not the easiest sport to access in the whole world because you do need like consistently good snow. Yeah. But that's super cool that you're still doing it like all these years later. I feel like that's not the easiest thing to like manage. It is such a lifelong sport and like the community of it is so strong. Like my dad still does it and my sister does it. And my like teacher from high school who's like randomly one of my close friends still does it. That like, (laughs) And it is like there's so many things like, oh, are you training for the race? Like how many kilometers did you ski today? And like just such a fun, wholesome way that keeps you in it forever. That's so cool. We were talking about too, like that community and how that connection and how there is like this really kind of organic thing that forms because Nordic skiing is like, it's not the most accessible sport. It's kind of weird. It's kind of funky. So there is kind of this community that gathers around it. That's really cool, especially in the Midwest. I'm on this train to make the Midwest cool again. Um, And it's really sick over here because there's such like Scandinavian heritage behind it which is really really cool but yeah okay for so for people who aren't familiar with the sport can you like really high level explain to us what cross-country or Nordic skiing like is and what it looks like yeah so basically if you take like terrain that you would normally run or walk or hike on and then you put on like these super thin super long pairs of skis under your feet and you're hike, you're on that terrain. So what I mean by that is like, it's not really about adrenaline, like how downhill skiing is. It's more similar to going out for a walk or going out for a run of enjoying the outdoors in an endurance-based way. You just happen to be on skis instead. It's basically the vibe. And I will say between those two, there's sort of a higher level, like what you're saying earlier, like my parents have a pair randomly in the garage and then like the kind of racing vibes. And so the pair in your garage, you can do on untracked snow and just kind of like if you have a lake around you, you can just go out on the lake. And then the other vibe is kind of like you might own a latex suit 
<laughs> like you require groomed trails on like actual Nordic ski places where you're going to ask for like buy a pass, you know? So those are like the two kind of vibes of skiing. Both are awesome. Yeah, you're either in like snow pants and you got roped into it on a family holiday and it's really cold and you're kind of freezing or you're like in a latex suit about to race the Berkey or something. Totally. It's sort of like you can like walk form it or run form it and it's going to be on the same gear, maybe slightly different terrain, but there's sort of different, there's a sliding scale of how serious you want to take it. Okay, that's funny. I make a motion to have this middle camp of silly goofiness where you can kind of do a little bit of both depending on your vibe. I think I might be in that camp, so. <laughs> if you Perfect. Want, that makes two of us. Okay, I want to talk about, so you kind of alluded to this already, like the skate versus classic. So classic is the like kind of walking. Okay, Ashley, can you explain to us skate versus classic skiing? <laughs> yeah, so classic is there's two sets of tracks in the snow, like just two little divots that your skis will kind of plop right into. And you're basically walking just with skis and poles on. And you're kind of like gliding around, like you're walking except for you let your foot glide. And you're just gliding one foot in front of the other over and over. And all you have to worry about is powering it. Those tracks are going to steer you through their little course. All you have to do is power it either by like walking vibe or you can what's called double pull. Where you're kind of doing like a crunch in the air over and over. And that is how class game works. Yeah, that's a really, really good explanation. I didn't even think about the steering aspect. And the skis themselves are, like, meant for classic skiing. So you don't really get an overlap between skis that do both classic and skate. Kind of they're in their own – once in a while you may, but, like, they're kind of in their own camp. Definitely. So it's, like, you have classic skis and you have skate skis. And so the classic, like you said, you're powering it, but the tracks are kind of steering you. And then um, you also, like, don't really pick up your feet completely. Like, your foot's never, like, completely off the ground, really. You're kind of, like, always connected to – I don't know. I That's one thing that really surprised me. And your hips get really sore. Like, it's really heavy hip flexor. Like, I remember I did it one time and I was like, I literally can't walk. Like, it's so hard. Yeah, like, your toe will never leave the ground because something else right. different between the two types of skiing. I talk about downhill skiing a lot just because a lot of people could apply that more easy. So your yeah. heel isn't connected in a Nordic ski, so you're kind of like dragging your toe forward and letting your heel follow, but your ski will ideally never really leave the ground. And classic skis are going to be a bit longer than skate skis, and there's also more flex underneath the foot because you need to like power yourself up the hill. But we can talk about that later when we get into waxes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's helpful though. Can you kind of explain then like skate, you kind of said it a little bit, but that's a little bit more similar to like running style where you're literally picking your feet up a little bit more. Yeah. It's like if you've ever rollerbladed, you literally take that exact same motion and put it on a pair of skis. Or even if you've like hobbled between chairlifts with downhill skis on, like you basically skate skied, <laughs> but it's going to be a lot more fun on actual cross country skis yeah. or like ice skating. So you've got the V with your skis and you're just like pushing on that outside edge over and over just like the rollerblading motion both skis on and there's a few different types within that like your form will change slightly for if you're going uphill or downhill or on a flat just based on timing of when you plant what part of your body but it's all basically making those v motions over and over 
I don't think I knew that to be quite honest. And I've been Nordic skiing for three years and I don't think I knew that like your form I guess it does naturally just change based on how you need it. It just get harnesses up hill, like a bit different types of muscles. I can teach you a day. It's really fun. <laughs> Okay, I would actually love that. And maybe like down the line, we'll get into it because honestly, I would love to hear that stuff. But I love the difference between skate versus cl- classic. So maybe you've tried one and you're like, this is not the vibe, it's boring. And then maybe you need to try the other. And it would, because that's kind of what happened to me. I tried classic, didn't love it. And then I just jumped right into skate and I was like, oh, I really love this. Like, this is super fun. Yeah, my connotations is like skate feels a bit more like sporty, where classic is kind of like a tour of the outdoors. But classic can like totally be sporty and skate can also be a tour of the outdoors. But that's how they're connotated in my brain, at least. Yeah, that's a really good perspective, too. And a lot of people start with classic. But I would say I found classic almost a touch harder to be good at because it's a different movement versus like skate, like you said, is similar to ice skating or even kind of similar to running. Mm And I feel like I was able to pick up the flow of it a little bit more intuitively than classic at a higher level I think I feel like first day out like your first ever time if you've never even been on skis classing will be easier just to kind of get out there and get on a pair of skis but then if you're trying to get good at one it's easier to get good at skate than it is at classic that's like perfectly said and I I think that's so true and also if you do have like some comfortability on skis like maybe you're a really good downhill skier you just have never done nordic maybe you go right into skating because it kind of does make a little bit more sense with like your skis being separate and everything. And you've done that maneuver where you're like trying to get up a little hill with your downhill skis and you have to kind of like push off versus like if you've never been on skis period, classic is like a little bit easier to fathom. Definitely. That's Even, really like, good advice. Having the awareness of like, there's something connected to each one of my limbs and especially in cross country skiing, the skis are longer and the poles are longer and everything's thinner and it can just get all tangled up a bit easier. So just getting used to like, oh my God, I fell. How the hell do I stand up? Like that might just be easier with classic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause I need to, I actually do want to talk to you about this eventually because I had like low key, one of the worst falls period in any sport last winter it was my last time out cross country skiing for the year. And I took this insane fall. It really wasn't that crazy, but it just felt wild. And I literally just got up, unclipped everything and walked to my car. I was so over it. <laughs> like literally such a mess like I don't even know and it's similar or not similar I should say to alpine skiing like nothing ejects when you fall like it will all stay under your body and you have to figure out how what's it's literally do you know that game you played as a kid with like the pickup sticks <laughs> and you have to figure out how to like undo it and so I was like I don't even know I can't even figure this out I have to just unclip everything that is exactly what it is uh, do you actually have tips though? Like, what is the way to do it when you fall? Like, how do you like untangle? How do you untangle yourself? You probably don't it's fall like, that often anymore. So vulnerable. Like, literally, just like lay over, get all the way on your back, and like have all your limbs just totally starfish out, and then like side saddle, like just lay on your side so everything's positioned, and you can kind of just like hoist yourself up all in one motion. Like, it's not gonna be worth it to get on one foot than the other because then that one's gonna slide, and you're gonna be falling for the next ten minutes about. But if you just completely lay on your back, lay on your side, and then just hoist up in one, you'll be good to go. <laughs> I miss the starfish aspect. I didn't go that way. I tried to just roll, and it was not good. And I just kept rolling. It was, like, ugly. Step one is, like, separate and so, all the pieces. <laughs> 
make sure all limbs are still on board. Yeah, literally. If someone is interested in getting started with any amount of ski experience, like what are, okay, you, I think this is a really good point. You made a comment about how like weight is a really big deal and how just renting your own stuff for your own body weight is makes it a lot easier. I totally agree with that. Totally. Do you have any other tips for people beginning that just aren't super obvious right away with Nordic skiing? I would say, first of all, bring a buddy. It's going to be way more fun if you have like someone to go and giggle with. Like That will make it way better. Second of all, embrace that it's going to be like a totally new motion. You're probably going to fall a lot and that's totally okay. They probably won't, unless it's like your experience, be like big, scary falls. Like it's not like fast speed, like you're going to tear your ACL sort of situation. It's going to be just a lot of like stumbling over because the skis are very thin. So it's a little tough to balance on. So expect to fall. No big deal. Just wear some waterproof clothes. And then third big tip is, okay, I'm going to, third normal size tip is like, just stay on the side. If it's a super busy day, especially just stay on the side of the trail and let the people pass you, but also take up the space you need. The trail's there for everyone. And then fourth is have some warm tea sitting in your car for you. I do that every single time, and it makes it so much better, especially after you're working out outside in the cold. My lungs, like, I just get this weird cough after, and if I have warm tea in the car, I don't get it anymore. So those are my tips for day one. Okay. That's really good. I love that because it, A, the trail is for everyone. I think that's like such a huge note that it's really easy to feel like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I don't deserve to take up space. Like, no, you're wrong. Take up space. Don't be obnoxious. Like make room for everyone, but you're okay to like take up some space. You don't have to like minimize yourself into a little lane on the side and make your life way harder. I think that's a really go all over the place if it's a super busy day, but if it's not a busy day, sure go all over the place. And also just take up whatever space you need to have fun. It's literally fine. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That's so solid. Okay, you touched on this a little bit, but you were talking about like waterproof stuff. Any other like key pieces of gear for people that are like interested in it? Yeah, I'd say a buff really helps, like something to cover your neck. I think that can get be a part that gets really cold. I also would caution towards... It can be easy to want to overdress because you're like, oh, I'm going outside in the cold. And maybe you've done alpine skiing before where you do want like a lot of extra warmth. But if you're going out with like full on mittens on like a 20 degree day, you're going to kind of be regretting it. So kind of feel out that gear, maybe like bring a few options for what to wear. My go to is a base layer, a warming layer, like a puffy or something if I want it. And then always a windbreaking layer because sometimes when you're going down the hills, it does get kind of chilly. Also, sunglasses, like you don't need it. But if you wear sunglasses, that makes the downhills 10 times more enjoyable. Yeah, you can almost like see better because your eyes aren't watering as much. Even if you have like a clear lens, you don't need like goggles like you do in downhill. You don't need that like suction cup around it. But it's really helpful to have like a nice pair of polarized glasses. I just bought a pair this year and I'm so hyped. They're like actually so helpful. I will say for Nordic skiing, like drop the helmet unless you're like super concussion prone or something. (laughs) Like you probably do not need a helmet. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good piece too. Yeah, totally. You don't need a good helmet or you don't need a helmet. Yeah, unless you're concussion prone. And also like a good pair of socks definitely goes a long way, but you don't need to like put three pairs of socks on because then you'll like reduce blood flow to your feet and you do your feet move differently in Nordic skiing they like pivot up on your toe like on the ball of your foot it's like you're standing on your tiptoes almost sometimes yeah. 
Um, and so if you restrict that movement, it's going to become really uncomfortable. So just good pair, but it doesn't need to be like the world's thickest pair of socks. And then sometimes the trails, it's not, it's a little different where you're not ending up at a chalet after every run or something. So you're kind of like going out into the woods. So they do sell like water belts that like is basically this fanny pack that's a water bottle attached to it. If you do want to bring that or if it's your first time, a lot of people just bring a backpack with some water and a few snacks, which I totally advise for doing, especially if you're going to a new place and don't know like what you're getting yourself into. Why not bring a few snacks just in case? That's a really good point, too, because you may not like come back to your car for like 45 minutes or an hour, depending, especially if you're not familiar with like the trail systems, you can kind of get way out there if you're not careful. And if you're I mean, you like have to get yourself home. It's not like downhill skiing where you're like relying on gravity. For the most part, you got to power yourself back. So it's like going out for a run and not having enough fuel. That's kind of dangerous. It's like similar vibes, a little less intense, but definitely definitely keeps the morale up when you have great snacks Definitely, like it can take a fun day to a torture day kind of fast especially when it's chilly outside the extra yeah. nice of these are very nice if you can download like yeah. a trail map on your phone before you go or like take a paper one if they have it but a lot of the time they'll also like post little maps around depending on where you're going yeah one tip that someone gave me I thought was super helpful was um sometimes when you're on like marked trail systems they'll have like little and this is the same with hiking I suppose but kind of important Nordic skiing because the weather is less uh fun sometimes like it can get cold and scary like not all that often but it can definitely like turn kind of quick unlike summer hiking where you can kind of like wait it out or sleep overnight if you got lost if you see like a trail marker like it says e5 or something like mentally store that in your brain and try to remember what time you were there. Like I always try to do that every like 25, 30 minutes and just be like, oh, I'm by E5 and it's 2.30. And that way you have some recollection of like somewhere. And that way, if you could ask someone, you're like, oh, I was by E5 10 minutes ago. They're like, oh, this is how you get back or something. Like I remember when I was learning, that's just like be your own advocate for where you are on the trail and try to give yourself like the best probability of a good experience you or know honestly if you have Strava it'll show you like where you've already been and where you are and where you started and you can kind of like backtrack if you need to yeah totally and sometimes like I do know my phone shuts off when it gets really cold like downhill skiing I've had that problem where I like I'm not with my group and my phone's like not working so for sure there's definitely like Garmin has really good settings too and all that good stuff but just like especially in the winter you can kind of get out to some like remote areas and it's important to kind of like help yourself out if you get in that situation but also stuff happens and you'll figure it out and it's all also you might be surprised there's some like trail systems that have like it's so cute like little tea houses like little tiny warming huts like there's like cute little structures in nordic skiing i feel like just like these tiny little sheds to warm up and drink tea or like they'll have like cookies out or something and so maybe you'll be surprised yeah it'll all be fine (laughs) yeah it's it gives kind of like fairy vibes like folklore vibes almost (laughs) yes it's so cute it's like it's really lovely. So yeah, Nordic skiing is really cool in that sense. Like it's less hardo. I mean, there definitely is a population that's really into it. Like the bike community gets really hardo about it. But there's a really cool, like kind of cute side to it that's really definitely. fun. Um, one question I have about everything is like waxing. So Nordic skiing, they're kind of nuts about waxing. Can you explain to us like why they wax and how we start to think about it? Because I need to start getting better at this for my own skis. Yeah. So first glad wax there's like two different types of wax for nordic skiing 
first is glide wax and that's just the stuff that's gonna make you go fast so that's what you use for both skate and classic and they I used to wax my skis like once a week and I've kind of lowered to maybe like closer to once a month you'll be able to tell when you need to wax your skis based on looking at the base and they have like sort of white on the base and that means they're dry and you just need to put more wax on and it's basically just hydrophobic and makes you glide on the snow easier, but the snow conditions can change so much based on how old the snow is and how warm the snow is. It's just, it's this crazy science that I'm like trying to tap into, but it is like so deep in the weeds. So if you just go to a Nordic shop and you're like, hey, this is the weather for tomorrow. What sort of wax would you suggest? They'll give you a color of wax and then if you have an iron at home, you can take it home and iron it in, and a lot of places have classes to teach you how to wax your skis. Or if you live in the Midwest, you probably live close to a ski shop that will do it for you for like $30 or something. At least if you do it once a season, that'll keep your bases like happy and healthy and all good. Yeah, I'm trying to get better at it. I usually just drop them off for my dad to do and he loves doing it. But I'm starting I'm like, I really need to just like take ownership of my own equipment and be better at taking care of it. And so yeah, it okay, actually glide is wax. so fun. And like, it's, it's actually amazing how much you can notice if you did the wrong color that day or something. And like the amount that you can feel if you wax your skis right is really really fun and it's kind of like a little game of if I did it right or not and it's pretty therapeutic to do I kind of I've learned to love waxing my skis but it really only takes you have to buy an iron you have to buy some wax and some scraping materials and that's really it I like build a bench out of Home Depot scrap wood and it took me about 12 minutes so you can really start with nothing <laughs> Okay, so maintenance wax is like glide wax you put on classic and skate. And then like I got these new I got new skate skis when I started dental school as like a gift to myself because I was like, I'm in the Midwest. I need to invest in the sport that everyone else does. But um I know that people like is there any other maintenance stuff we should know for like keeping equipment like happy and healthy other than just like a basic glide wax? I do like a basic glide wax if you're being really good once a week, if you're being kinda good once a month, if you're being like baseline once a year and then when you're ready to put them away for the year just toss a layer of your cheapest wax you can on them and that'll keep the bases all sealed for the whole season until you're ready to take them out for the first time again the next season and then scrape that off and then you've got fresh bases for the new winter okay i did not do that so but that's I'm gonna sure be cute fine. to deal with <laughs> fingers crossed as like a base that's like a good thing to do but life will go on with yeah, true. We'll make it work, right? It's all good. Okay, fun. That's so helpful because I feel like these are things that like you don't want to be dumb asking the ski guy. Like I have no idea where to even start, but now you at least have an idea of like what to even ask when you go into a ski shop or something. And a lot of places do host classes. Like I honestly think even REI at a lot of places host classes for how to wax your skis. So there's a lot of resources out there. If you look at like Swix.com, they have ski recommendations, go on YouTube, like you'll be able to piece it together and it's not scary. And even if you want to pay yeah. for your first service and then just ask them like, what waxes did you choose and why? And how many layers did you do? Like I find the community to be super welcoming. So it's not so scary. Yeah, totally. And I know if you're an REI member, there's different types of waxing. So you can do like hot wax or like press on or whatever. And they'll, um, 
I think if you're a member, you get like half off waxing mm-hmm. and then maybe like your first service is free. So just keep an eye out for that. Okay. One question I had was say you're like, I live in like North Carolina or something and I have no access to cross country skiing, but like I would like the opportunity to try if the, if it presents itself, what are other sports that translate well to cross country skiing? Honestly, running is huge. Just like have a good endurance base. If you've ever been on skis before, that really helps. If you don't have access to skis, just rollerblading, or if you can, like ice skating, that sort of motion of like being on something a little thin and tippy and learning how to move on it will help so much. If you want to, you could invest in roller skis, which are these like little death contraption sort of situations. (laughs) I would say roller blades are probably better, but yeah, if you're just like building up your endurance, even if that's on a bike, that will help make the day more fun and then to get used to the tippies maybe rollerblades or ice skates yeah that's really good advice the other thing that people may see in gyms is um like the pull down oh i'm not gonna be able to say this correctly do you know what i'm talking about ashley yeah what is that called like okay of course it is oh a ski erg everyone would have that picture in their mind right away Okay, it is called a skier. I was going to say an erg, but I thought that was just for rowing. Anyway, you stand up and it practices the pulling motion kind of of Nordic skiing, which is kind of unique. And I knew like when I first started, I was like, wow, the upper body is way more than I realized because I was a runner. Like I never lifted. Now I feel a little bit better because I've been like swimming and lifting and stuff. But that's like a really interesting thing. You could always like run on the treadmill and then do that for three minutes, like after you run and just like get used to the motion of pulling down with your triceps all the way through. And that will kind of help at least get you somewhat over the hurdle the first couple of times. Or even doing like a few minutes of chair dips every now and then just to like wake up your triceps would be awesome. Also, if you're into class right. king, like doing crunches is a very direct motion into class king. Like that will help, which I should probably do. Whoa. Do you classic or skate? What's your vibe? Um, That's kind of a hard question. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have like said skate before you can finish the sentence. But I've been forcing myself to classic more. And now I'm like, mm, wait, I kind of love this. And I'm signed up for two races this year, skating one, classicing the other. So I'll let you know at the end of the day or which one. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely keep us in the loop. Which races are you doing? Um, I'm doing the American Burka Biner, which we can kind of talk about because that's like going to be mentioned a lot. Yeah, deep dive. Cross-country skiing. I'm doing that one in Classic. And then I'm doing a similar race in Switzerland skate. Yeah, I'm really excited. Dude, tell us about both. That's so cool. Okay, so baseline, the American Burka Biner is like this 50-kilometer ski race in northern Wisconsin. It starts in Cable, and then you ski all the way to Hayward. They like, cover the Main Street, which is just a tiny town in northern Wisconsin. They cover the Main Street in snow, and you get to like finish on Main Street. It is so fun. The community is popping. Like, it is just like a huge party on skis, and it's also super, super hard, but so fun. And it like brings everyone together. It's just a great, wholesome event. Um, so you'll probably hear a lot about that if you're into skiing, especially in the Midwest. And the Berkebiner is part of this greater system called like the World Lobit series, where a bunch of different countries can have a similar marathon level race of like around 50 kilometers. And so they have them in like Japan or Argentina, blah, 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 blah. And so we're doing one in Switzerland called like the Engadin. And do not quote me on saying that right. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be fun. 
That's so cool. What like inspired you to go international with it? Were you just like, we're going to send it this year? I honestly think I was trying to think of that. We are me and my boyfriend were driving to go cross country skiing and we're just like bouncing ideas off of each other. And I will say we have a lot of ideas in general and then execute on maybe a fifth of them. Then that's generous. (laughs) And then this one we happen to execute on. That's sick. I'm hyped for you guys. What, like, is it before or after the Berkey? Is it, like, later season? It's two weeks after the Berkey, which it's a pretty tight turnaround. Cause normally I'm very, very tired from the Berkey. But I'm hoping, since I'm doing two different styles, that I'll, like, get a little refreshed. Just have a couple, of, like, early January, have two or bigger weekends back-to-back, and then that will help, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Such a good point. I'm also, like, if it takes me longer in Switzerland... Like, bang for buck, I get a tour of Switzerland on my skis. Okay, that's so funny you say that. I was just talking to someone the other day, and we were saying, like, the people that are really good and fast, like, they're paying more per mile than, like, we are because we have more time on the course, you know? So you have, like, a higher return on investment for your, like, registration. So that's hilarious. And randomly, the Switzerland one is way easier. It's like only a thousand feet of total elevation gain. And Wisconsin, somehow they shove nearly 5,000 feet of it in there, which you'd think in the Alps would be way steeper and harder. But no, somehow Wisconsin takes the cake. It's amazing. It is a hard, hard race. Yeah, I'm like nervous to. So the Berkey, my cousin was named after the Berkebiner. We all called him Berkey, but um, because my uncle was like a semi-pro skier, but he, long story short, I've been like wanting to do the Cordelope, which is like the mid-distance race. But I am so nervous about the hills. Like that's really, I think the endurance part would be fine, but um, just like the actual like going up and down the hills, like that, I'm just not comfortable. It's not like fun yet to me. I'm like stressed out. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out like, do I want to do have you heard of Ski to She? The like all women's. Oh, Ashley, this is so sick. It's like an all women's camp where they do like a camp all about Nordic skiing. It's all it's like for anyone who identifies as a woman. And then they have a all women's race. So they have like a 30K and then they have a bunch of other distances too where it's just like you basically go out there and ski like part of the Berkey course. Oh, cool. And I'm like, maybe I'll do that so I can like get it in a better setting that's less intense. But I'm also like, I don't know, that still sounds like a lot of skiing to me. So figuring that out. It starts at the midpoint of the race is called double O. It starts at double O and ends in Hayward. And that's the easier part of the course. So that could be. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. I think you should do it. And honestly, there's a lot of up and down. And if there's curves, the up to down is very scary because it's hard to like turn on your skis that fast because you don't have edges. But a lot of them just like lead straight into each other. So that by the time you're done riding the down, you're like halfway up the next up. That's huge to me because I feel like I am good with that. That's like, it makes me less scared when I'm like going down the hill knowing I have my own. It's like when you have see those truck runaway on I-70. <laughs> it's the same vibe, but for me. Literally, I see those I'm like, God, I hope I never um if you do like tuck and stay low just in general on the downhills like it can be easy to like kind of go like deer on ice mode and like kind of have your limbs everywhere but if you just embrace the downhills and get into a tuck and bend your knees and like flex your core a little bit any little motion that changes you'll be able to take the downhills way better it's like a much more stable set i'm not into like going fast for adrenaline at all it just makes the hills less scary 
talk okay, of you. So you're saying like l- low and in control is better than like trying to figure out how to go slower. Yes. And you can even go low and in control and snow plows. So you're making the pizza with your skis. But if you're low and in control, I kind of say it as like, might as well use this speed because it's harder to self-propel the speed. I'd rather let the hell do it for me. True. Okay, this was so helpful to talk through anything. Is there anything else that was like, okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about finding good places to ski because like in the Midwest, there, like you said, like in Minnesota, there every golf course turns into one because of the culture. But how would someone like go about finding something that's within their own skill set? Yeah, I'm kind of learning that right now, like moving to a new place and finding out where to ski. It's kind of tough, I think, which I didn't really realize until I left the Midwest. What I found is, like, there's little ski forms. Like, if you look up, like, cross-country skiing, the front range, an example for me, like, you probably have, like, some weird little Nordic community, like, or club that has its own little separate page, and then it'll list out places. It doesn't have a great spot, like, Ride with GPS or Strava or something like that. You kind of have to hunt a little bit harder, but if you just put in the Google searching... And even Google search for your local ski shop and go to them and ask. They'll be so helpful. But I will say it's not quite like a gimme like a lot of other places. If you live by downhill ski resorts, a lot of the time at the base of those, they'll have some sort of cross-country skiing thing. Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing, I guess we didn't really talk about this a whole lot, but um, grooming is like really like we were talking about snow science is kind of a big thing with Nordic, but grooming reports and stuff like that like I know skinny ski has like they'll do different grooming reports for different areas and that's really helpful because you can see people will like post stuff like skied this morning snow was a lot looser than I thought it was going to be like I'd wax this differently or something and as you're kind of learning you can like learn from other people's like critiques kind of of it all yeah skinny ski is like a good community-based forum and then a lot of the time if you look up your specific ski place you're going to then they'll have like this trail open, this trail, blah, 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 blah. And like a little report of the day. A lot of the time, not all the time. And I normally go with like a few different waxes with me for a classic at least. And then if I like go, I'm like, oh shoot, I screwed up. Then I just whip out my wax and then put on some different wax. Wait, how do you do that without an iron? Do you just like press it on or whatever? Yep. I totally skipped over. I talked about the glide wax. Cake wax is something different. Cake wax is for classicking. And so classic, you need something sticky under your foot so that when you're going the uphill, you're not just like sliding your little way down that you like have something to anchor down into the snow. So a lot of the time that can be what's called fish scales where they like put some textures into the ski or they'll do some skins now where it's like this fabric that goes onto the bottom. More traditionally and what I have is cake wax where you like take basically a glue stick and you glue it in the section right underneath your foot. And then you take a cork and cork it in. That's also color specific to the type of snow you have. So you'll see some cake wax. If you have those fish scales or skins, or if you don't classic ski, don't worry about cake wax at all. If you do have cake wax, like, yeah, yeah, just bring your waxes with you because you're going to regret your choices at some point. I'll say, like, every other ski, I'm, like, pouting about what kick wax I chose. And then I pull over, and then I'm, like, re-waxing my skis. 
That's insane. I like, it'd be really funny if you're just like in the parking lot, you're like, yeah, I chose the wrong wax today. And there's like another guy next to you. You're like, yeah, same here. Yeah. I think our <laughs> high school t-shirts, we had like, what do you wax was like on the back. So like some like pun that was like trying to be inappropriate, but it was about kick wax. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and with skate skiing, that's like, you can't really do that. Right. Cause it's all like iron based. With skate skiing, you definitely want the iron base and now they have this glide wax spray that you can like spray on your ski and then wait 20 minutes and then they're good to go i used it for the first time last berkey because i flew in a few days earlier so couldn't like totally know the conditions of the snow yet and then at the expo the day before about the color they suggested so you can do that now like if you have like a few different of those sprays and then right before you go spray on the color that's good for the day wait 20 minutes and then your skis will be fast whoa i didn't realize that that's yeah cool. which is only if you're like concerned about like going really fast if that's not your concern don't do it <laughs> yeah like honestly speed scares me currently so, so <laughs> i'm just like too tired and lazy that i want the skis to do like as much work as they possibly can <laughs> that's so true though okay so that's all really good stuff and it's not super intuitive so that's like so helpful did we miss anything is there any other stuff that like you wish you would have known starting out Mm, that's a good question i would honestly say have fun with it if you're going for your first time ever go on a day where it's nice out like if you plan to do it on a saturday but it's snowing and negative two like you're just not gonna have fun like audible and make a different plan like it's not going to be tough guy it's not going to be fun (laughs) so go on a nice day for your first time go with a friend and have some backup plans in case it's like too cold or you need a snack or you need water and it'll be awesome and don't let the hardo scare you and everyone is so helpful like don't be afraid to ask questions because it is i feel like i rambled about wax a bunch And I could still walk away and be like, there's so much more to ramble about. Or is what I even said made sense. There's just a deep world of things you can get specific with if you want to, but it's not necessary. Yeah, totally. And like the high level stuff we kind of hit. So like all of this, if you were to listen to this and then start, you're like in good shape just to even like show up and try it. And then if you're looking to get better there's other ways you can get better. I guess that is kind of maybe my last question is like, if someone is looking to get better, what would you, what advice would you give them that kind of like helps level you up a little bit? Yeah. I'd say if you can find like some sort of ski club around you, that might be great to tap into. If that's kind of scary, maybe just go in more of a latex suit type thing or like try like moving a little bit more sporty on the skis instead of like having your hips back and you're walking, having your hips forward and like kind of going at more of a running pace and like playing around with the different motions and seeing what makes you go faster and like play around with it and maybe find a friend who knows how to do it if you can. Yeah, and watch totally. YouTube. Really. And don't, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like it's really hard to like audibly explain the form of cross-country skiing and there's some really good youtube videos on how to like pull plant and how to like kind of time everything out and it's it's like almost impossible i feel like to describe it so i feel like that's a really good i i I hate it when people say just watch youtube but it is really like true in the setting like you kind of do need to just like see someone do it a bunch of times and then like practice the movements because it will change based on what you're going for like step one class gang it will really look like you're just going for a walk but dragging your feet and moving your poles a little bit with you. 
we are deeper into classic, you're fully transferring your weight from one ski to another. And you're kind of like doing this like weird bounce thing. And it's just going to look completely different than walking. But to see somebody do it helps like a million times over. Yeah, totally. Um, Any etiquette stuff that you feel like is really important as someone who's maybe not like a first time beginner, but like learning any etiquette stuff, like stay on the right hand side of the trail, but you don't want to be like in the classic like tracks, anything like that. Yeah. Staying on the right hand side of the trail is a really good one. Pay attention. There's like some one way situations and it'll be well marked, but respect the one ways for sure. If you're skating, try to not like those classic tracks that'll be on the side Try to not to, like, absolutely destroy them if you can. But if you're, like, falling and you can't avoid them, whatever. Maybe if you fall, scooch to the side. But again, like, take up the space you need. Like, the trails are there for you. Take up the space. It'll be fine. And if someone gets cranky at you, you'll learn and they'll get over it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's amazing. Ashley, thank you so much for all the tips. I feel like we – I'm really excited. It's snowing right now. We got our first snow today. And it's really early for us, so I'm, like, really hyped about so it. So sweet. We got our first snow two days ago on Saturday, and it was like, Hoo-hoo. Yeah, you guys got for real snow, which was sweet. We're getting just, like, weird flurries today, but everyone at school was like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm like, this is hype. Let's get hype. <laughs> so, yeah, do winter sports, and you'll be so hyped about winter. And that is the other big thing I will say, like, if winter isn't your season and you're like, God, I hate the cold and I just have no interest in my hobbies, like don't even happen in the winter, like maybe open up your mind and try to find some cool hobbies to do in the winter to get you stoked on the weather. And if somehow you can manage going in the middle of the day when it's at least sunnier and a lot of time nine to five, you can't make this work. But if you can like take a little lunch break and do it during this sunny time of the day, you're going to have a way better experience in general. At least I do. Yeah, totally. Or like over the weekend, a lot of times people will get up pretty early or like kind of right when it starts to get warm and they'll get their ski in. And so one thing I would, I did a lot was like ski at like 2 PM in the afternoon on Saturdays and Sundays. And there's a lot less like hardos out there trying to get their like reps in for the Berkey. And there's a lot more people just out there like trying to just do something for the day. And that's a huge difference between Alpine and Nordic skiing too, is this is not like and all day get up so early to hit the first chair and you're skiing to the last chair. Like you're going for like two hours max. Awesome. Ashley, you're the best. Thank you so much for all your expertise. Yes. I really appreciate it. I love it. this. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored and so cool that I can do this. We're hyped, dude. You can find us over at In Her Nature Pod on Instagram and TikTok. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, rate and review us where you listen. We are currently looking for podcast sponsors and advertising partners that align well with our brand, so reach out if you'd like to work with us. Music today by Tommy Z with The Porch Flowers, and our logo is done by the amazing Riley Johnson at rej.creative. Don't forget, the stuff is in your nature.